You are listening to Sheets Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Maynard Roberts. This is the last chapter of Echo and Narcissus. Next week, I will begin the grand marathon that is Musketeer Space, my serialised space opera gender-swapped retelling of The Three Musketeers. I'm really excited to reread it, frankly. It's been a while. Uh, and I hope you enjoy listening along. This one is going to go for some time because it's a proper, proper, very long book. I'm actually planning to divide it into two halves. It segments very nicely and maybe do something in between uh, just to ring the changes a little bit. But yeah, that's what we're going to be doing for most of the rest of the year. And I hope you will join me then. In the meantime, Echo and Narcissus. Chapter 9 in which running away with the circus is an easier option when you are the circus. You're one of the brass around here, aren't you? Kurt looked up and then around. The man who had greeted him was the ringmaster of the salt circus, his black locks pinned up elegantly in loops under a velvet hat. He looked like a pirate dressing up for a wedding, all swashbuckle and silk. And then Kurt realised that by process of elimination, he was top brass in the circus right now. Brennan had gone to fetch Carlotta, Magellan, Serenity and the baby home from the hospital. Riff and a gang of clowns had taken the trucks off in convoy to fuel up for the next leg of their journey. It had been two days since the dragons were rescued, and the cosmic pit was revealed. The dragon circus returned to their original campsite and had performed no more shows with the salt circus. After two days of leisure, they were well and truly sick of Echo and Narcissus. And here was Kurt, temporary replacement grip, last man left in charge. Call me Grippo, he said, and held out a hand to shake. Koi Baramundi, said the rival ringmaster, who had a strong grip and a wicked smile. No worries, mate. Just wanted to pass on a message to Magellan and your gaffer. The Salt Circus have had an offer from the city of Narcissus to stick around on a permanent contract. Kurt raised an eyebrow. So you're just going to camp out on top of the ancient and mysterious pit creature for all eternity? That's the deal. We're negotiating between city council and, uh, well, the thing in the pit, yeah? I'm supposed to call her our mysterious benefactor. Sounds a bit classier. Is Mr Grayson part of these negotiations? Nah, said the ringmaster with a wide, bright grin. Got cut off, didn't he? Council reckons, since the pit and the showground are officially within the Narcissa city border, it's not a great idea to give access to people from Echo. So they blew up most of the tunnels. If Grayson wants to keep making sacrifices to win power and influence people, he's going to have to go through us. So that's what you are now, said Kurt. Pit security? Something like that. Turns out her downstairs loves being entertained. So long as there's a circus in Narcissus, she's not going to, you know, get shirty and eat their city whole. Exactly. Also, it's a bitch moving our giant sea monster from site to site. 
We've been looking for a permanent home for Yonks. Right then, said Kurt. Not sure what it's got to do with us, but good luck to you. We just want to get ahead of any ill feeling, the ringmaster assured him. You know, Narcissus has always been a prime spot for circuses. Don't want the others getting bent out of shape. We scored this cushy gig, you know. I can't speak for all circuses, Kurt informed him. But our lot won't be fighting your lot for the shower blocks any time soon. Wistwater, Cold Creek, anywhere but here. Kurt found Finn and her new BFF, Elodie, trying to bathe the baby dragons in a giant metal tub. The oil was long since wiped off their wings and scales, but the babies were so twitchy about what had happened, they kept rolling in dirt, food and shit every chance they got. The girls wore old overalls and what looked like oven mitts in their attempts to keep all five baby dragons in the tub at the same time. Elodie still wore clown makeup, though she'd switched to the simplified red and white design, so popular now with the dragon circus clowns. She'd also dyed her hair bright red instead of her original pink. It was not a flawless disguise. But her grandfather had other worries right now. She would probably get away with it. Not sticking with the salt circus? Kurt commented. Elodie wrinkled her nose. No way. Not if they're staying here forever. Too close to everything I ran away from. Mum'll let her stick with us, don't you think? Said Finn. Kurt shrugged. I mean, keep her under wraps until we're a few towns away. Maybe she won't notice. Finn laughed. You're not suggesting I ask forgiveness instead of permission, are you? That would be highly irresponsible for someone who is currently in charge of this circus. One of their trucks pulled up with Brennan at the wheel. Kurt watched thoughtfully as Carlotta climbed out, baby in her arms, with Magellan and Serenity close behind. Hooray! He wasn't in charge anymore. You're right, Finn agreed. There are benefits to a baby sister. So much distraction and sleep deprivation. I could probably move half of the salt circus into my bunk. Wait, said Kurt. Sister? A few things fell into place. Are your mothers and Carlotta... a thing? Is that a shared baby? I try not to ask these questions. Finn said gravely. Kurt opened his mouth to ask about the father, decided it was none of his business, and shut his mouth again. Hey, Faraday, that performance you did with the paper fish. That was brilliant. Thanks, said Finn. Is there any way we can make sure my parents never find out how I did a tightrope performance with no rehearsal? You might want to lead with the magical tentacle safety net. How did they do the bit where the sea monster ate you? A good performer never reveals her best tricks, Kurt. I'll try to pay attention next time I have a nightmare about it, and I'll let you know. Wait, he said, thinking about it. So they're going to permanently install a sea monster under the stage in the big top, but above the cosmic pit creature. That's a sandwich I would not request in a restaurant. Am I running away with the less cool circus? complained Elodie. Tiny Pearl flopped out of the bath and clung wetly to Kurt's boot. We have our moments, said Finn. 
generously. Excuse me, said Kurt, with great dignity. I'm taking this one for a walk. Don't wet up. Brennan had his bare face back. And while Kurt had indeed found answers he had not even known were questions about how attractive the gaffer might be in clown makeup, it was good to see him back to his old self again. Kurt was also back in his usual work clothes and would never tell anyone that he had packed the nice suit carefully away in his trailer. It wasn't like he would ever have anywhere to wear it again. Flannel and denims all the way. The Salt Circus sent a message, Kurt announced, drawing Brennan over to the mess tent for a coffee. Quickly, he outlined what Barramundi had told him. It was a quiet time in the mess tent, with everyone getting ready for the rollout. It seemed like an odd luxury to be here, sitting down with a cuppa, while everyone else was working their tail off. Brennan didn't hesitate, though, putting his feet up on a spare chair and swallowing half his coffee in one go as he listened to Kurt talk. No hard feelings, Kurt finished up. I'm terribly jealous, Brennan said, giving up the traditional circus life to placate a magical hole in the ground in exchange for a regular paycheck and a bit of extra audience whammy. Amateurs. They said we're welcome back as guest performers any time, Kurt added. No rehearsal required. And that, Brennan said, pulling a face. Bad form all around. Talk about spoiled. No rehearsals. Better get out of here fast before our lot get ideas. No regrets? Kurt asked in a slightly softer voice. I didn't offer Shell a job, if that's what you're wondering. Eh, trapeze isn't for everyone. Besides, she has her own career path in mind. Now Grayson has been cut off from his endless supply of fortune and favour, I imagine she'll have toppled his little empire within the year and taken his place. Kurt thought about that. And that's better? It's none of my business is what it is, said Brennan. But either way, I think we should give Echo and Narcissus a wide berth for at least another decade. They drank their coffee in silence for a while. Kurt fetched the pot and refilled their cups. It was a rare moment of calm for the two of them. I owe you an apology, Kurt said, into that quiet moment. He stared at the floor. I let you down. What? Brennan sounded genuinely surprised. His hand brushed Kurt's sleeve for a moment, then pulled back. What are you talking about? You never lied to me. You trusted me with all this shit you escaped from, and I didn't trust you at the first sign of, well, betrayal. I really thought you'd screwed us over. You. Brennan huffed out a short laugh. You chose a side, Kurt. And you chose the dragons. The circus. I can't fault you for your loyalty. No one person is more important than all of this. Riff and the others, though, they never questioned you. They hid you and helped you take on Lenny and his mates, right? Meanwhile, Brennan had abandoned Kurt in the big top instead of asking for his help. Brennan winced. Technically, that part was just me. I do regret feeding Lenny to the sea monster, but he was trying to kill me at the time. 
The clowns trusted you, Kurt pressed. He didn't know why it was so important to get Brennan to admit he was a fuck-up, but he was going to keep on pushing until he did. Everyone trusted you except me. I trusted you, Brennan said impatiently. As soon as I knew the baby dragons were a factor, that they were in danger, I let you go and you did exactly what I needed you to do. Kurt frowned. Get captured and chained over a pit. Fine, I hadn't planned for that. You went to rescue them though, didn't you? And it all worked out. You don't have to get it right every time, Kurt. Of course I have to get it right, Kurt exploded. This is a circus. Everything is dangerous, from the aerial acts to the massive moving equipment to the dragons. When mistakes are made, people get hurt. Brennan put his hand over Kurt's on the table. No one got hurt. None of ours. And it meant a lot that you came to find me at the Astley. I thought I could play it cool. Wear the suit, pretend to be Grayson's man long enough to get myself out of there. But the truth is... I could feel the pull of it, being part of that organisation. It was so easy, like I'd never been away. I suppose that was the cosmic pit doing its work. The longer I stayed, the less I would have had to pretend. If you and the circus had left without me, I'm not completely certain I would have followed. We would have come back for you, said Kurt. No man left behind, right? My point, said Brennan withdrawing his hand and the warmth that went with it. He said, I'm glad you were there. It helped. Good thing my fake boyfriend references were up to date. Kurt cracked. Indeed. Brennan stood up, becoming the gaffer again, already thinking about the thousand and one things that had to be done before they got on the road. You right to drive up front with Riff again? Can't wait, said Kurt, taking their cups to rinse out. We're best mates now. Yes, he said you were a peach to travel with. Can't promise he won't fall in love with me. We'll have to risk it, said Brennan. He looked down at his foot and frowned. Tiny Pearl had crawled off Kurt's boot and onto the gaffers. She laid her head on his bootlaces and sneezed wetly into them. Kurt bent down and scooped her up. Don't get any ideas, kid. I saw him first. Too late, he realised he had said that out loud. Brennan stared at him for a moment, and Kurt stared back, feeling rather frantic. I'm just going to... Brennan said finally. Yeah, go, you've got things to... Right. Tiny Pearl sneezed again, this time into Kurt's elbow, as Brennan left the mess tent in what could only be described as a tearing hurry. Smooth, Kurt told himself. After double-checking, there was no one but them in the tent. Tiny Pearl hiccuped. I blame you, he told her, and handed her a biscuit. No, said Riff, three hours later, as they prepared to leave the campsite. He glared at the tiny dragon-shaped bulge in the pocket of Kurt's jacket. No dragons in the cab of my truck. I'd swap places with Inga, but I happen to know she's wearing two dragons today. Everyone was feeling very protective of the babies right now. Tiny Pearl stuck her head out of Kurt's pocket, and it took about four seconds of her watery gaze for Riff to give in.
fine, he snapped. But don't think this means you two outvote me on what radio station we listen to. Wait, said Kurt, clambering up into the truck after Riff. Did I ever vote in the first place? Are we equals? No. The road to Wistwater was long and winding. There were at least three disasters on the way, involving dragons and tyres and a misplaced attempt at highway robbery. The food was crappy, the coffee was worse. But at the end of that long road, there was a campsite waiting for them, and an audience ready to buy tickets, and there might even be a parade. Most importantly of all, Wistwater contained exactly zero underground pits full of mysterious cosmic forces. No vengeful ex-partners with illusion skills. No former bosses who owned far too many suits. And almost no opportunities for Kurt to display his excellent fake boyfriend skills. On the whole, that was for the best. They needed a break. A touch of normal. However subjective normal might be in a circus full of dragons. They did not achieve normality in Wistwater, but their particular brand of chaos didn't kill anyone, and Kurt was starting to recognise that as the best possible outcome. Cold Creek, though. Cold Creek was another story. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. That was the final instalment of Echo and Narcissus. If you want to read it, uh, in written down form as an ebook, your current only way to access that story is to become a Patreon subscriber at $1 per month. Uh, you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge, including this month being my birthday month, a very exciting Coffee Shop AU special bonus story. Um, Next week, come back where we will be reading and listening to Musketeer Space, a joyous space opera of politics, spaceships, swords, kissing, eternal friendship, and... Lots of other things. (laughs) I'll see you next week. Bye.